Ooh, oh. look at that sexy background. Yeah, babe. And the, you got the keyboard. Does that work? Almost, almost. Oh, the plan exciting. is to have Don Don mapped to some oh. keys behind me here. I can just so you just whack it, whip around, and yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Soon you'll be like in a set in the middle of like a set of keyboards and threadboard yeah. all around you. Ben always teases me about how I stand with my laptop on the workshop floor. He thinks I look like a a prog rock synth player from the eighties or something. <laughs> It's amazing. I'd take that. Yep. Nice shirt. Thank you. I'm going to my wife's. She's been working on a project for two years, and they're doing a tour mm. today in the afternoon after this. So I was like, I should wear something that's not just a shop <laughs> t-shirt. <laughs> nice. You're keeping busy over there by the sound of it? Yeah. Yesterday was fantastic. It was the launch of our duct tower. Quack, quack. And... It also coincided with relaunching the Shopify. After we talked last week, I was like, all right, Tuesdays are launch days. We have one Tuesday left this month. I need to get that out. <laughs> and so basically from then on, I worked constantly on play only that and yeah. got like a pretty bare bones Shopify up. But I think it looks pretty decent so far. And it's got a lot more features than what we were working with before. So it went really well. We sent out an email Tuesday morning and had a bunch of orders. It seemed the duck tower was fixing a pain point that other people had too. So we got a good amount of people interested in that and it's been really good. Yeah, cool. It was great to see the final version of the duck tower with the claw and fully yeah. featured. I guess I guess I hadn't really seen much of it other than a few yeah. early fusion renders. Kind of hard to uh, tell looking- it assembled like if I, in other videos I find it currently a little tricky to make videos about or like photos because it's like kind of embedded mm. into the assembly on its own um, yeah I can say it looks is it fairly shop saber specific in terms of out mounts for now I think I mean it's got a pattern of kind of a grid of holes and one or offset a little bit so I mean if you could figure out how to attach that to something else like it's not I mean, it's unique and then it fits that weird truss thing on the side of chop savers well, but it just, it just mounts to whatever you can get your hands on. I personally, I don't think I'd want it on my spindle directly, but yeah, yeah. It, and in particular the chop savers, I don't know. I I only have this machine, but that cylinder that makes the Z raise faster, the Z balancer cylinder is basically just a giant tangle machine for the duct and i, I feel mm, like that's unique so. to shop sabers but maybe i'm just unaware yeah it looks like you've got it worse like i get my duct tangled a little bit just on, over the top of the spindle but it's fairly minor yeah sure sure and typically it's when the machine's doing like really grid grid like big sheets where it's like kind of working progressively up to a corner and then working its way across yeah threadboard specifically <laughs> Threadboard. Oh, good. It was funny timing. I got it stuck yesterday doing some <laughs> threadboard. It's funny. And then I got your email saying the duct tower was out. So it's good timing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be adapted to other machines. I mean, I, I've been happy to kind of continue to get requests or interested people with other machines or about the, the boot or the 
the tower, like, hey, can I make this work on this machine? And first of all, it's tough to know. So I'm like looking at photos on websites of manufacturers and they like make their photos like 300 <laughs> pixels wide. And I'm like, I, and, uh, I, I would like yeah. to find other ways to adapt it because it's like you finding out that it worked like the dust boot on your machine has been great. There's a bunch of people that have that machine, it seems, and are interested. Mm. It's not super hard to adapt some of the features, like the way it mounts to like Laguna's is one Laguna Smart Shop is real popular here that we're going to try to figure out how to make it work with their actuator. Yeah, sweet. So, yeah. How are things for you? Cool. Yeah, good. Good, good. I think getting to be machinist last week kind of broke my streak of not being able to get up and get get into the workshop early for some playtime. Yeah. So the excitement of being machinist for a few days there has sort of reinvigorated me and I'm back into the swing of early mornings and playtime and R&D, which has been really nice. Did I, did I see you actually were machining before this or was this a video from yesterday you posted this yeah, morning? Yeah, I got in at 4.30 this morning and <laughs> I knew that I wanted to cut another threadboard panel for this wall behind me, and I knew it was about an hour of machine time to do another panel. Nice. So I was like, cool, if I get in, well, <laughs> 30. So yeah, I managed to just squeeze out another panel, but it's still on the machine. I literally very... just t- turned it off before I walked in here. <laughs> we could just, you could just put your position out on your router. You can just put your camera up out there and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be real nice audio. I, we chatted a little bit about this. I have, we have this aluminum job for the router coming up and mm. I asked you about it when I was quoting it. I got to figure out how to do thread milling on some fairly large holes. They're like two and three eighth diameter into aluminum plate that's half inch thick. Never done that on the router, but you're, you're mm. telling me it was fairly reasonable to do. I'm curious when you're doing yours, the thread board, not that defaults too much into your secrets, but are you going past the stock into the swell board? So you have a special yeah, throw word for it? No, we just throw on a like a three mil sacrificial on top of the spoil board, like literally just a ratty cover sheet that's come on a pack of plywood or something. And we might get, oh, it depends how it registers on the machine. Like I used the same one today that I did yesterday and it lined up perfectly with where the the over yeah. over drilling, the over boring was. So yeah, I think if we're doing a lot of it, we could easily set up a sort of more reusable specific wasteboard for it but yeah it's fine we're just yeah, going yeah. past past the depth that works well because you, you want to through you know you're not stopping that thread anywhere in there you're going all the way through yeah i want it through i mean the yeah. accessories that i'm building out for this pretty much stop perfectly on the back surface of the panel but think for, I don't know, just future expandability and functionality would be nice if you, if you wanted to, that you could thread in from the back if you needed to for some reason. For sure. Like do standoffs, like I'm already yep, yep. discovering that just starting to mount a few things on this. I'm like, oh, cable management. It would be nice to have a gap behind it so I can route cables through and mm-hmm. yeah, starting to think about that. Standoffs are interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you've, got, you've got space behind that because of that fancy yeah. mounting system, right? Yes, it doesn't. It's got a grid brace mm. thing currently that we've talked about trying to make a place where you could run cables through it, but that kind of defeats its structural capability. And yeah. so it doesn't really work all that well to run cables behind it. You kind of can, but not really. So, um, okay. yeah, you can beat me there. Oh. Well, no one likes cables. It'd be nice to solve it. I know. Nicely. We did find some 
one cool idea when we were doing the one over here that's mounted differently. It's basically French cleat was we found some, a system of cables, wires that have smaller heads that then you can plug into like another end so you can fish them through because I think Ooh. our plugs are different, but our our plug heads are too large to go through the knack wall slot. Yeah, so we had sure. found something yeah. that kind of worked for that. Never used any mm, of it. Sweet. As of last conversation, right? It's who knows when we're coming back to that. <laughs> <laughs> how how are you feeling a week later? Well, I listened to, to I listened back to the podcast because you bailed yeah. me out and edited it as I was in my fever of finishing our relaunch of Shopify and the product. And uh, so I had listened to I hadn't edited it and yeah. I was thinking about it and I still agree in the moment. It didn't come as too big of a shock because I think I was already thinking about some of that too. And mm. I do have one thing I would change about your business as well. Ooh. It's not dramatic, but yeah. it kind of coincided with me discovering a few things in Shopify that I found really potentially powerful. And just kind of thinking about how you've described your minimal use of email marketing in the past. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of power there. You're seeing really good results that if you make it a little more regular and something that you could put some kind of other content in, like feel like you guys create some interesting things that it could be more than just marketing. And you could also have the marketing built into it as well. That it's more of a like newsletter type thing. Cause I think the story of like butter is more than just the products for a decent amount of people or that you, you also want it to be that. I think you want it to be about, you know, the eco consciousness and kind of a, community identity and those kind of things that can start to feed their way into that that just basically the, the original part of that was you should push your edms more you know have have once a week or once every two weeks whatever you feel comfortable with but make it more regular than you've had previously i think you're starting to do that already though right yeah no that's cool thank you that's good timing because i am starting to think about it i mean this year was probably i think the first time we ever sent an edm yeah we've we'd never had been collecting emails and then on jay and will's sort of recommendation we started collecting them via shopify yeah people could opt in and so we've got you know a modest subscriber base now and i didn't yeah we dabbled like kent who works here on the floor is like a really good writer Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, he's come from academia and we'll, we'll be losing him and he'll be returning to academia soon, but which would be sad. We had a period there where he was writing little blog articles and stuff and then we're mm-hmm. using the blog content to sort of sync it through into a little newsletter thing as well. Oh, nice. Um, we fell out of the rhythm of that when his schedule changed a little bit, but I'd like to bring that content back. And also yeah. just, I didn't really understand how the ADM was going to sort of function until we came across the idea of that it has to be, like it has to be some unique offering. It can't just be a mm-hmm. duplication of what's on our website or what's on yeah, Instagram. Exactly. It has to sort of give those people something sort of, you know, exclusive or more that they're not going to get somewhere else. Because otherwise, why would they stay getting spammed by us every just fortnight? Just sales is usually the only, the only thing. Or... I, I like to think yeah, that in a certain sense too, like the, the people that sign up for that kind of thing are likely just looking for what we may come out with new 
whether just mm-hmm. whatever version of NAC or CNC. And honestly, I, for a long time with NAC, it was like, I just basically would promote the same products through emails all the time. And I'm sure, yep. you know, like if you don't want a calendar, it's about all I was talking for <laughs> years because I just like didn't have anything new. And so that, that has never really grown. And yeah, I'm not doing a great job. I'm not, I'm saying these things and not necessarily doing these things myself. I say it because you have a lot of people that can help you with it, you know, in terms of like making that be a big thing. You're just at a different place that you can now spread net marketing into a different world. So on that, on the wings of that, the other thing I found, which I'm sure some of you that use Shopify are like, yeah, duh, but I just had never explored it. (laughs) The first thing I did was turn on the abandoned email marketing, abandoned email automation, which there was a, a basic version of that. And I never got into the automations. I feel like when I first explored it, it was like really janky and didn't work or something or wasn't what I expected it to be. But I just tried it today and that thing is amazingly powerful. Like, it's like, it's like if Grasshopper, Zapier (laughs) and like Airtable automation had a baby for just Shopify. Like you can do like the one example that blew my mind, I was telling Ricky about you can have a trigger, right? So something like the person goes to the website, looks at a certain product on your Shopify. Then you can do like if then statements. So they leave the site. The next time they come back to your site, you can redirect a URL that they land on to something else. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, it it sounds somewhat like odd and like dark patterny, but I was just thinking (laughs) like, well, maybe if you wanted to like A-B test, like, well, that sales pitch for Mm -hmm. this product didn't work. The next time you have a duplicate product for some reason that has a video higher up on the page that, you know, maybe they'll watch or I don't know. You have a different type of Mm. landing page. That is just one example, but it's just super powerful. You can lead them through like email automations of different things or tag their account or um, market to somebody that has one product already. And you want to like, like they bought something and then say a week later, you can send them an email and say, hey, you got your kit of parts. Is there anything you would like to add on to that? You know, like. You've got it. It's set yeah, up now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's so much complexity there you could get into. I had a sense yesterday of like my day ended up being mostly in the sort of email marketing, social media space. And I was like, wow, this could really be a full-time job. <laughs> like I oh could spend God. a week doing this. I don't want to do that, but no. I can see how it could become that very easily. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to get into all those details. Yeah. Remarketing and stuff. Mm. But what is, what is powerful about that, just from that one thought, is you spend a little bit of time, just like our Airtable automations, like the, the value is once it's set up, yes. some of these things, like especially if you could make some of them more dynamic, like buy a product in this category, remarket in this category, you know, in, a, in six months or, you know, whatever your plan is, it's like you're kind of duplicating your effort for every time somebody makes a purchase that, or whatever action yeah. you want to repeat. Yeah, totally. No. I was also thinking, mm. remember our talk about how to send manuals to people digitally? Mm. I think you can yep. easily use the automation. I don't know how you feed in the manual mm. necessarily. Cool. But you could yep. drop in somehow, maybe from like a meta field. We're getting a little deep here for most people, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'll stop after this. But you could drop into like a meta field or the product you know, like a day after or on fulfillment for that product. And it would send an email with that link to that PDF or whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. Yeah, we're starting to build out all our manuals as web pages. Oh, so yeah. On Jay's recommendation that they need to be more mobile friendly. You just click on a link and then it loads up as something you can easily sort of scan through the steps on your mobile. Yes, yes. A great point. Because yeah. previously we had fiddly PDFs which were hard to read and yeah, particularly on, on mobile. For sure. Anyway, that was my rant on emails and automation. This week in web. This week in web. Crickets. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Lots going on. Sounds like you had a great day in sales yesterday. Yeah. It, uh, like I said, you know, like I had another smaller version of the emotional, we made it feeling of just like, <laughs> nice. Just, you know, different because it was so all at once. And, you know, for, people that do retail all the time this wasn't a huge day in the scheme of things for most people but coming from our intent last october to transition to doing this kind of stuff it felt like ricky had designed most of the duck tower and i helped kind of do a few detailing and and refining from a a plywood piece to something that was like we could have sent out for fabrication and he's super stoked that something he helped design is now selling so well and people are excited because like we discussed it's like he came from using Illustrator and DXFs, and now he's making parametric models that are product. So, and so we're both super excited, just kind of chatted about potentials and watched sales happen. It's like the best feeling when we always turn, <laughs> I always turn my phone on. So it like rings out the, the capture noise and it's just yeah. so satisfying. <laughs> There's nothing really like that feeling. Okay. So appreciate That's everybody good. that ordered something and we're stoked and getting everything ready to start sending those out. And awesome. Yeah. Mm, excellent. Yeah, we've had a decent run in sales this month too. Like it's it's still below our target, but good momentum. I feel like something's yeah. starting to pick up a little bit, which is cool. For sure. Not That's sure great. what. I know we've been putting a bit more spend into Google Ads lately. But yeah. Are you seeing working. decent conversion on those? <laughs> you know? Not bad. Yeah. Not amazing. Not amazing. But I think any conversion is probably good, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) My experience. It's meeting our, currently this week, I think it's meeting our target, whatever it's called, cost of acquisition, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know what that's called. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Hey, I was listening back it's funny you mentioned listening back to the podcast i often listen back to it whether i've edited it or not same yeah i reckon i I listen to it at least once during editing obviously and then once again when it comes out yeah and i find it really valuable to a remember what i've said or what (laughs) we've talked about yeah whether that's like oh yeah we talked about that i need to look at that or you know something i might not have added to my to-do list or also, just holding myself to account of like, yeah, I said I was going to do that. But I find this platform, what we're doing, quite a valuable way of digesting information for me. I'm not. Yeah, same. I'm not someone who sort of talks about what they're doing naturally. Like, I've always been quite closed. Mm. My creative process has always been like, just leave me alone and I'll show you when I'm done. That's so like it's my been, way. <laughs> it's been really valuable for me. Just yeah having to talk about stuff for an hour a week and then have an opportunity to digest that again. But why I mentioned that was 
because I was listening back and you're talk about the five horsepower spindle and it not being able to push bigger tools. Does that mean you're not running? That surprised me because I thought we had the same spindle and we're running some huge tooling at high feed rates on our. I would say that's related to the material you're cutting. We can cut 800 inches a minute, which again, I don't know how to translate that. (laughs) 20,320 millimeters per minute. I bought a half inch compression cutter when I first bought the machine. Thought I could cut inch thick Baltic birch and just buried it and it just went nowhere. <laughs> it was like, I got those suggestions from whoever yeah. feed rates and uh, Baltic, you know, is definitely one of the harder, like denser mm. things I think we cut commonly. And so that is one of the things that drives that, the thickness of the material. And then like solid woods, if it's too, it's too much, anytime you try and slot, right. It's just like such a heavy lid, but I mean, we put a three quarter inch rougher on that thing and just tear through, you know, in a hem operation, not, you know, not slotting. Slotting. Yeah. Okay. But that's so often what you're doing right on a router. It's just slotting. Slotting all day. Language, Jim. But yeah, we do. Hmm. Interesting. At times, just not slotting. Yeah, and the yeah. vacuum thing, like I said before, we we don't yeah. expose a ton of vacuum intentionally. That makes sense. And the other question I had about the shop saber was, is it servo driven or steppers? I don't know. I can't oh, remember. God. Which one forgets their location? Steppers, the older one. We must have servos then. Yeah, cool. Yeah. It never forgets yeah. its location. Well... The servos down, but you have to home it to switches. Yeah, you still have to home it, but yeah, cool. <laughs> no, I was just wondering because your RPM on that eight mil tool is quite high in my book. I feel like if you ran that high RPM that tool on a stepper machine that couldn't decelerate and accelerate very quickly, you just get burn marks in the corners oh. of sharp corners. But if you've got servos, then it's going to be yeah. able to. It's pretty good. Those small details a bit on. faster. It's pretty capable in that way. Oh, I want to go back to the thing. I I find this very valuable too. And I, and whenever somebody says something about, you know, oh, I appreciated this, in like a Instagram comment or something. Appreciate listening to the show. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm glad somebody else appreciates it as well because for me, it's basically like <laughs> therapy every week. Like I get a laugh with <laughs> a new friend, Gem, we found on Instagram, and we, you know, seemingly challenge each other decently well. That I find that interesting, and I. Maybe it's narcissistic, but I also really enjoy listening back to it after it's edited. Like, and I usually enjoy, I mean, it's mostly what you're saying. I'm not sitting there like laughing at all my own jokes, (laughs) right? Like, that's weird. (laughs) I don't think I am anyway, but I usually enjoy (laughs) listening to it again as like a product of, I don't know, something I wish existed, I guess, is this kind of content as we are challenged to. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, it's good. On that note, we've been struggling to, as the newness wore off of making the podcast, I think our interest in editing has has started yeah, to dwindle. Yes. And I had this thought, are we failing to delegate editing the podcast? Oh, I did think about that in too this some week. some way, whether it's somebody that works for us or somebody that we hire, like, mm. you know, as a, I was Googling, like, how much does it cost to edit a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find any great answers, but it's not rocket science and it takes a couple hours. And so while we don't make anything directly from the podcast, it's like, it is valuable, I think, for us. 
I was thinking about it in the sense of therapy and how much therapy costs a month. And I was like, what if we paid <laughs> collectively $400 a month for therapy, <laughs> like as a podcast editing service? Like, that's not that bad. Gold. I love it. Yeah, it is. It is quite involved. And that's, you know, it can feel like quite a chore to know that you have to get through that edit. Because I, I feel like I'm really slow. Like if I'm, if I'm trying to make it fun and like insert a few audio clips here and there, yeah, I feel like my ratio is about three or four hours for every hour of complete tape, as they call it. Yeah, which yeah, it's quite it's a big chunk of the week when you add it up. Because I've been I've been using a new time tracking app where I. Oh, it's desktop based now that I have an office job. <laughs> I can track <laughs> on my desktop. And so it gives me a report at the end of the week. And it's been really interesting seeing how I spend my time. And like I've got one category that's called unfocused faff. And it's just all the times that I've <laughs> been aware that I've just been sitting there for 45 minutes, kind of bouncing between Chrome tabs and not really focusing on anything. That's what you call our podcast? So get, uh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> no, it's a podcast goes in a different category, but it's been interesting <laughs> getting that report at the end of the week and going, yeah, cool. It is It is a decent chunk. Like, yeah. if I've been on in, in the edit, like you've, for the record, you've carried most of the editing weight up until this point. I've done a few here and there, but yeah, it's, it can be a chore. It can. And, and it, I was like really yeah. into, uh, it, I still am. Like I still enjoy, I enjoyed talking. I do enjoy producing it to some degree, but being a two-person shop and trying to also mm. live my life with my wife, which is already <laughs> strained time-wise, I was yeah. just having this thought as I couldn't find time to edit, and then you saved me at the end there this week that I was like, why exactly aren't we like finding a way to have somebody edit this? You know, like mm. this, you know, I think we're gaining enough collectively out of it that it makes sense. So anyway, enough talking about mm. that. I just was more thinking about the idea of delegation and how even in this one thing that <laughs> we're collectively not doing that properly really it seemed mm. yeah. yeah how do you go with delegation in general I mean, oh, just got riggy. poorly but. and usually i'm like i just now started trying to faster and faster begin the first steps of whatever that thing is to delegate rather than like overthinking it. Like for the longest time, I never had anybody help deal with shipping products because mm. it felt hard to teach like how ShipStation worked or how Shopify worked. It's just like, well, if you have this thing, it has to go in this box. And it was just like, always seemed like, well, I could just ship them. That's easier. And now I'm like, I bring him in, like show him these steps. And he's now like super stoked to like pack up, you know, boxes and, and get them ready and he's starting to learn more of those steps but trying to do it more biting off chunks rather than like thinking of it like everything has to be translated as one set of tasks it's helped me a little bit i mean you you seem very good at putting stuff into your fresh desk system to try externally i get that impression like you have that set up and you're putting info into it which is cool i would i think it's such a big part of effective delegation is having it written down. <laughs> it just definitely that helped. It's finding a process that once you you talk about that too about like your responsibilities or task sets that once you have a system for me anyway, whatever it has to be easy to create and edit 
or I won't do yeah. it. Like if I have to open, yeah. I had to sit down at a typewriter, never going to happen. But like sometimes uh-huh. I'll just be like forward. Like I was adding product listings on my phone over the weekend when I was doing something else or like waiting for something. And I was like, well, I'm going to write up the duck tower description. Like mm. it has to be that kind of simplicity to, um, you know, if I'm in the mill room and I need to add or look up or edit one of the articles on fresh desk that's internal, like it's gotta be as easy as just opening it up and typing yeah. not something else, I guess. Yeah. It's an area where you want zero friction yeah. <laughs> to access edit add new stuff like we that's that's kind of my brief to jay at the moment is like because currently all of that for us is in Airtable, and it's just big slabs of text in fields which is hard to read it is yeah sometimes slow to find and so yeah really attracted to this fresh desk idea but the example is for me is you know someone on the floor packing up a new product the first time we've bundled that product and put it in that new, its new custom mm-hmm. carton it's like cool just take a photo of how you've packed it yeah, and then the yes. next person can reference that photo but up until this point we haven't had a sort of a, a spot for that photo to go like typically it gets put in a slack, a slack channel at the moment and people might see it but then trying to find that photo in few weeks time or a month's time is like nah, gone no and especially now that like we don't pay for slack that's so like 90 days and it's gone yeah <laughs> so um, now i had that exact thought as we're building more product things like we have an air table for them so i was thinking that an air table could have like fulfillment details or packaging details but then we also use ShipStation, which has products in it and i was just trying to think of like what's the easiest like Saunders on his latest shop tour is showing how they have now taken photos and like laminated them next mm. to things that are like maintenance items around their mill. And I was thinking that might be the cool. right way. Like, but you know, if you have as many products as you do, like how do you have all these photos? Do you have a photo wall of what they, you know, <laughs> yeah. all the packaging looks like that doesn't work. So I need to watch that new shop tour. Maybe it's just Airtable. If you're already keeping, it's like, I wouldn't want, the product stuff to be in two places. So if you're keeping all your product stuff in one place, I would probably just, I'm just thinking out loud, probably add my photo of the fulfillment information there, I guess, or whatever that stuff is. Yeah. What goes in the box? I've I've always been really attracted to the idea of having, you know, screens in the workshop for that reason, because, you know, digital data stays more up to date than printouts. Yes, yes. Yep. And, you know, having big beautiful screens or tablets everywhere <laughs> has been attractive for that reason. So someone can just be there at the dispatch station and they just go yep. touch the product on the board and it brings out the required information. It's how it, the McDonald's model of furniture dispatch, but I've never quite worked out a good workflow of implementing that technology. Really tend to have a couple of PCs set up around the workshop but then yep. you know they're just again that fr- moment of friction like it's gone to sleep wake it up wake it up oh and it's not in the right it's not yeah. in the right air table screen it's like oh just walk away <laughs> yeah and that, and that leads me to like the well a photo is pretty useful you know like a printout that mm. is there but you know we only have so many products it would work for now but but i have literally done the same thing where like we were starting to pack boxes of dust boots and ricky i think it was after ricky had left and i was going to close them up and i was like 
well, how am I going to show Ricky this, you know, tomorrow? And so I took a photo, but then like, I think it's just sitting on my phone. I never did anything with it. You know, yeah. I might've put it on Slack, <laughs> but yeah, it's hard to, it's like, what makes that simple? And I'm sure we'll have people say you should use bubble or app sheets, you know, like, but then again, it's like, I don't really like having it just be on a phone either. So it is nice to have some type of other computer. Yeah. I don't know. Tricky. Telepathic chips in our head, Justin. That's the answer to everything, mm-hmm. isn't it? RFID, mm-hmm. wave your hand. <laughs> Hi, Jem. You're packing boxes today. Hello, Justin. The, um, Rip we had this discussion. The age of change. Yeah, we had this discussion. How dramatic. Again, that you and I have had, but Ricky and I were having it of realizing we need, we want to change something about the dust boot assembly. <laughs> And once you start, and our intention has always been the the parts should be a kit of things, a kit of parts, you might say, but for dust boots, that you can change the lower half into other pieces, spacers, longer brushes, thicker plates. But in that sense, you need everything to stay the same on (laughs) the beginning and the later half that you provide. So we kind of, we spent a lot of time thinking about that ahead of time so that it wouldn't need to change, you cool. know, arrangement. But then we realized where we put, we would like the pins, the alignment pins to be on the top plate and not the bottom plate. Yeah. Minor detail, but we ended up ordering some adapter pins because mm-hmm. the size would be different from one to the other so that we can retroactively provide if we offer new brushes in the future anybody that has the existing version and modify it to put these pins in to flip it to the top nice. we want to start putting in no pins in the lower portions it just makes a lot more sense it's less pins it's less all the stuff but yeah, we were cool. just kind of like a little apoplectic at first like god what did we just mess up and all these people have we gotta like carry all these you know a second set of brushes always because all the original mm. people have that one version and i'm glad we figured that out but it did bring back this same idea of like i think your friend said to you the sooner you change it the less less yeah. that you have to deal with and it's so hard to just like bite that bullet and do it you know yeah yeah because it feels like there should be some smart design solution to it like you want to sort of labor over it because you can solve it yeah i can make this work and maybe you can. And it sounds like you have with I those think, adapters, which is cool. I hope it does work. So, yeah. I think it has to be a balance of not just ripping off the band-aid of change. It sounds like a Bill <laughs> Bailey song. Immediately. But actually, you know, doing the work, putting in that design effort to try and get mm-hmm. the cross compatibility as good as you can. But then yeah, at some point you just gotta rip off that plaster. Yeah. So uh, on that yep. topic, how has your evolution of kit aparts gone because that was your original concern from what yep. we were talking about right like how has it gone with new customers or old customers that want new stuff like how has that all happened for you it's been very smooth and very little drama pretty much all sales just immediately rolled into the new version convenient and we did a pretty crappy job of communicating in the rush of launching version two, we did a pretty ca- crappy job of communicating the differences. Mm-hmm. And I reckon anecdotally that led to a bit of a sales drop off. I think we created uh-huh. some confusion there. 
Sure. Or just a potential lack of clarity, which would not have helped with our conversion rates. But yeah. at the same time, it hasn't really been an issue. We've sold a few V1s and we're just promoting our remaining stock of V1 now because we realized we keep running out of Dow. Our supplier can't keep up with the like stock yeah. that Dow we use for kitaparts. And so at the moment, we have no Dow stock, so we can't make any new components for oh any kitaparts. And then we realized we've got all this V1 stock on the shelf still beautifully wrapped up, ready to go. So we're doing a little push at the moment to say like, hey, discount. Yeah. Let's, let's get this off our shelves. Yeah, just trying to communicate that we will continue to service V1 customers and make them parts in down the track if they ever want to expand their sets. But kind of, I don't know, I just don't have a great deal of clarity around when the mm. sunset clause is on that. And So the solution then is you do have to have separate SKUs for each version and you and there's not yeah, really a way to adapt it. It could be adapted, but then that adds just another level of complexity, which I think would just be confusing as well for customers, for sure. us, for kitaparts. But you could theoretically, if someone has a V1 and they want to adapt it to a V2, I can do that in Fusion or Rhino. I can work it out and make custom DAO links and give them yeah. a, sort of a bespoke set to achieve hmm. that solution but from a customer facing point of view without some cool like configurator app that can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. split the difference between the two versions yeah it's just too complex i think so we're just we'll try and phase out v1 get it offline and then just yeah. when those questions come out down the track it should it's yeah i don't think there'll be that many of them and when they do come up it'll be easy enough to satisfy those customers so yeah Interesting. Yeah. I mean, frankly, not to stress you out, that would stress me out. <laughs> like that, I think I really struggle with that. Uh, and it, it leads me to to spend more time up front not putting a product out because I'm concerned that stuff like this might happen. And it, it's not great. You know, it's not something you can, you can't solve all the problems up front. And I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I'm not saying that. I just, I yeah. would struggle with that situation. Well, I think in your work, what you're talking about, you're talking about a, a tool consumable, like a brush. Yeah, luckily. Yeah. It's a consumable component. Sure. component. A, a, a set of shelves is not a consumable. So yeah. I anecdotally, again, I'm like, most people don't come back for more parts anyway. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's going to be a very yeah. small proportion of customers where it might be an issue, whereas you're like... Theoretically, every dust boot customer at some point is going to want another brush. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. It's the fun part about making products, right? <laughs> it is. When- I did notice those pins on our dust boot the other day. I didn't realize they were just press fit and they, mm-hmm. they kind of slide. Oh, did it? Which is cool. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know if they'd moved or what, but they weren't protruding very fast. I just poked them out a little bit more. Here's the other perk of it being in the top plate is they can be into a blind hole, which will stop their depth versus oh, yeah. now we're cutting them through that bottom plate. So a bit of a yep. perk. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah. Cool. Oh, we got, I think now I'm starting to lose track of time. I didn't talk about. No. Okay. So we had got, we had, I'd ordered the Pearson pallets and they arrived. 
and last Friday and I put them together and made a little video and I was very impressed with how easy it was to fit all the air fittings together. Like it's like all in a little bag. There's only one install sheet and I haven't gotten <laughs> to putting it on the mill yet because I need to just yeah. spend an afternoon doing that. But I put it together on our workbench and it was just like so satisfying that all you do is just plug it into your normal airline, <laughs> push to push to connect all these little quarter inch lines and then it just works like you drop on the so plate, good. you push the thing and it goes <laughs> sucks down and very satisfying. So that'll, that'll become your main work holding on the mill. I think so. Yeah. And what, what were you saying about the vice? Will you have a vice on a pallet? Or <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to look, sick. it's going to look ridiculous, but according to Jay, it works fine. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I know, that. right? It's going to be tall it'll be very different like i think it may affect tool setting potentially yeah. with how the spindle can come down which is scary but uh, we'll find out but, the table is not very big z- sure but mills have lots of z height right they do typically yeah. Yeah. but the spindle like if you have a short tool and you need to bring it all the way down to the table which leads me to think maybe i'll just put someday put that uh, tool setter on a riser it's not like we need like a oh, 20 inch long tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need yeah. to measure a tool or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is mm, about, I mean, once we get into a production sense, hopefully that's not often, but basically every time I change jobs, change whatever I'm trying to run on it, I'm setting up at least two or three tools and measuring yeah. them that way. So. Cool. That's exciting. I can't wait to see that up and running. I know. Sounds like you need some dedicated time off in the mill room. I do. I know. Well, I mean, frankly, what is great about having good sales days of products is it does feel like it creates space for for me to be able to not think, oh, crap, we need money. Mm. You know, like <laughs> when we sell things... Yeah. I don't have to go sell things. So I'm hoping yeah. that that happens here this week and next week that I'm getting into making those pallets that actually fold specifically the bases because currently I can make, well, as soon as I take it off, everything will have to go onto this thing. So that'll be a different scenario. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. You've got two pallets to start. Three. And Three, I ordered right. more material to make our own, which is kind of cool. They offer these hardware cool. kits. I just have to figure Great. out how to thread mill <laughs> with their <laughs> hardware. And honestly, it looks like making the pallets are super easy. Other than thread milling, you just have to be able to face or cut a little 5,000 deep pocket where the ground inserts are on it. So it sits flat. Yeah. But as they come, I was a little surprised, but I'm also new to some of this, that from Pearson... It just has, they don't touch any of the rest of the pallets, not faced or cleaned up. They just yeah. mill those flats and the couple indexing things and the two locking rings and and just give them to you like that. So it's just basically yeah, raw awesome. them. That's great. Super cool. How's your giant job? Have you started that yet? <laughs> Gosh, no. Mm. We're currently charging them for storage. Yeah. Of the... 350 sheets of plywood that have been on our floor for six weeks more seven weeks which is just kind of like um, like nice i suppose but it's probably more of a this is a huge problem 
Yeah, it's it's meant our steel department's been department. Our steel Ooh. corner of the workshop has Ooh. been completely packed up for that whole time. Yeah. So we haven't been able to do any steel projects. And yeah, it's just a huge amount of stuff just sitting there waiting. Design files. So we've stuff? been sorry? Was it like design yeah. hold up? Yeah. Mm. I think they've got engineering waiting for engineering approval now. I see. On the stuff they've designed. So it's frustrating, but not much we can do at this stage. Sure. We've had a few, like there's a lot of jobs, anything that's like building construction related, we've seen massive delays here with projects. And so we've got more work in our system than we've ever had before. But at the same time, a lot of it is either on hold or delayed or yeah been pushed out so it's been a little bit tricky to manage workflow we're building some new gantt charts in airtable at the moment to try and help manage like cool we've got this much work when yeah. is it actually gonna fall let's you know make sure that it's not mm. all gonna fall in october because then we'll be stuffed so like we have to actually yeah. be a bit more careful and schedule it out so that's been good building out that functionality i've never uh, had to help. do that yet really very deeply but that was a perk. I remember switching over to their table mm-hmm. for all that kind of stuff, but we never have really had to, I can imagine that gets stressful. Who deals with that usually? Sarah? That sort of workflow management. Yeah. It's Jay and Ben at the moment, and but we're excited because I think it will lead to smoother production, but it's also going to be good from a sales perspective of being able to look at that Gantt chart and going, oh, yeah, we could slot your job in next week. Yeah, you know, Maybe sure. close close out some sort of quicker turnaround jobs as well. Yeah, definitely. Rather than always just saying, oh, my God, we're so busy. We're not going to be able to Six get to weeks, that for two yeah. months. It's like, yeah. actually, no, we've got space. So, yeah, that's exciting. It'll be good. Yeah, definitely. Always excited about a Gantt chart. We almost named our second child Gantt. <laughs> that's amazing it was on the list Justin it was on the list <laughs> yeah nice well to reduce our editing load you know one thing Stop we could now. do is just not waffle on for an yeah, hour and a half for sure agreed keep it tight mm-hmm. I'm always amazed listening to other people's content that sounds completely unedited I'm like how do you people do it how do you talk concisely without leaving huge pauses <laughs> yeah, or us the hundreds and hundreds um, of us and ums we put in um, take out you're welcome yeah <laughs> yeah off we go i guess so someone's banking coffee out there is that an, is that an espresso no mocha master dripper Oh, yeah. That's how I drink eight cups a day. Oh, baby. That's nice looking. Yeah. Till next week. Happy days. See you on Slack. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Bye. I like this. Mm-hmm. It's like we're in a coffee shop now. I know. I got some tamping. <laughs>